0: good to see you guys today and to feel like a human being for a change. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, I've had a different voice. It's my Barry White imitation the last couple of weeks, and so today is actually good. First time I've been able to sing, I don't know about you guys, I really feel lost when I can't sing, but last two weeks I literally could not sing because, well, normally I don't know how well I sing anyway, but the reality is, is, uh, you know, I couldn't do it, so it's good to do that today. Okay, Uh, we're in the third week of a series called uh, Breathing Room and today i want to we 're going to talk about financial breathing room about having uh, creating some space in our life and why it 's important for us to create uh, some space in our life financially uh, not only from a logistical standpoint of, of just needing some space but also how it affects other areas of life so I want to start off by doing a little one question survey and you can actually participate in this. you can raise your hand uh, this morning with this first question and uh, let me ask this question how many of you occasionally or often have financial stress in your life. Occasionally or, no, no, no. Put them up there and leave them up there, okay? Occasionally or often have financial stress. Look around, okay? Look around, okay? You see how many people, more people have their hands up than don't have their hands up. You know what that means? Financial stress tends to, uh, and just doing this little survey, seems to be normal. You know, but the problem is, is that so often uh, that's normal in our culture. Living paycheck to paycheck is normal for many people. Uh, Monthly payments on things are normal. Um, Debt is normal. Worry, anxiety, fear, all these things in regard to finances tend to be normal in our culture. And tension in relationships, and I'll tell you this from counseling, tension in relationships in regards to money is probably the number one thing that stresses out couples. And it tends to be normal. So the question for me is this. uh, Is normal something we want to be? If that's true. If that's true. Normal does not seem to be working too well in our culture. Um, Today we're going to talk about this thing. Let me give you a definition once again for those who have been here or haven't been here. The definition of breathing room. Breathing room is a space between our current pace and our limits that so all of us have limits and areas we talked about this for a couple of weeks last week we talked about time and if you missed that you can go back to our website uh, greatoakcc.org and you can actually listen to the podcast there and the week before was kind of an intro in this whole area talking about why we need to have breathing room reason we don't have breathing room in our lives uh, but breathing room today we're going to talk about is, is is about this whole thing of of uh, of this whole thing of, of money and why it's so important to have breathing room in our lives financially. Um we think it's important to understand how to do it so, so much so that 3 years ago we did something that was uh, kind of different we what we did is we went along and we actually went through and took uh, about 200 plus people through or 250 I think people through a thing called Financial Peace University how many of you went through Financial Peace University or have been through Financial Peace University okay? You shouldn't have raised your hand while ago, by the way. If you did, no, no. You probably did anyway, because the reality is, the reality is, is uh, we took about, I guess now we've kind of figured probably close to 300 people at Great Oaks have been through Financial Peace University, which is a 14-week, 13, 14-week study of some materials that actually uh, have been around for a long time, but the guy who communicates through Dave Ramsey, who communicates financial peace, is a better communicator than the guys years ago were. Uh, there was a guy, and I heard the same stuff years ago from a guy named Ron Blue and another guy named Larry, uh, Larry Burkett, uh, said the same thing. It's just, it's just Dave's more entertaining. And uh, so that's why I think he's done so much better uh, with doing that. So we've seen that. Now, if it was just about education, the majority of you here have been educated about finances, it's not just about education, it's about doing it, okay? So we're going to talk about today why we get to do that. Now, today, last week I shared with you three things that I knew about you, three facts of life in regards to time, you know, that we have limited time, so forth and so on. Today I want to give you three facts I know about you financially. I don't have to know you and I know these three facts about you. The first one is this, you are living, all of you are living on a percentage of your income, right? You're going like, me need to write that down. No, you don't. No, I mean, that's like, duh. Yeah, you're living on a percentage of your income, right? You are. Now, the question is, do you know what that percentage is? That's the question. Do you really know? Have you narrowed it down? I mean, for many of you, for many of you, you know, you, you, you might, uh, uh, some of you live on 100%. We're going to give you some visuals in a minute to help, kind of help you look at this a little bit. Some of us live on a, uh, if you're like most people, you don't choose your percentage of your income. You just started living life. And it kind of started there, and that's kind of where you are. You kind of lived however it is. Uh, but some of us don't know what our percentage is. Some of you, you know, might be you live on 100% of your income. Some of you like live on 110% of your income. You can actually do that in America. Uh, even like the government, you know, the government does it at 200%, I think, but, you know, we do it on 110, you know, we can do that, you can do it for a while, by the way, Uh, but some of you live, you know, actually live, maybe uh, maybe you tithe, and so you're living right then, and maybe you have a uh, 401k, and you get 5% off your income there, so you're living on 85% of your income, Uh, and whatever the deal is, all of you live on, all of us, me included, live on a percentage of our income. Now, the second fact that I think I know about you financially is this. Most of us think that if you had just a little bit more, you would be fine. If you had just a little bit more, you would be fine. You you feel like, you know, if I just had made a little bit more, I could have some breathing room, you know? (laughs) No, you wouldn't. And I'll tell you why in just a little while. Because the problem is, is that uh, the third fact is this: you felt the same way when you made a lot less. I've talked to people this week telling them what I was talking about, and somebody, a couple of people talked to me about this, and they didn't even know what I was talking about. And I said, Something about I'm talking about money, and they said, oh, you know, we used to think if we made a lot more, then we would be, you know, we'd be so better off. We were not. What's the problem? See, we so often think that if we made a, you know, we th- I mean, years ago when, when I came out of, I, truthfully, the time that I had the most free money, the most breathing room in life was probably when I was in seminary, believe it or not. We had no expenses. We lived in a house on campus at, at school there. Um, it part, was part of my wife's job. We didn't have any utilities. We didn't have a car payment. We didn't have any of those things. didn't have a mortgage. didn't have anything. And we made like together, my wife and I made like $12,000 a year. But we had about $8,000 in the breathing room. That was pretty big because we didn't spend it on anything. We not have anything to spend it for. And you know, kids, you know, they do cost money, by the way. And uh, so we have all those things going on, you know. But, you know, truthfully, it's not about how much you make. See, financial for those of you who are visual learners let me give do this in a graphical form okay go ahead and put up the first graph okay uh it's kind of like this in our life in our life we kind of go through this process and our hope is this this graph kind of okay on on the the upward one that that has to do with money and the lower one has to do with time and we hope that over our life our income looks like this don't we that it goes from you know where you started and you start making more money. We hope over our life that's what our income will look like. And for most people, it generally does. It may not be exactly a straight line, but it may be a little wavy, but it's kind of what it is. The problem so often in America is where uh, our income might be that way because of the next graph. The next graph is this. is so often our spending reflects exactly what our income is. We go through life, and, we, and as we get raises and we do things, what we do is we raise Instead of building breathing room, what we do is we raise our standard of living. It doesn't necessarily, we'll talk about this in a minute, raise our quality of life, but what it does, it raises our standard of living. And then some people, next slide, some people do it this way, I just talked about it. Some people actually, you know, while while you can, last week you talked about you only have so much time in your life, (laughs) and you can't get any more time, no matter what you do, you can't save time, you can't get extra time, you can get extra money. It's called debt. And so many people are actually doing this in America. It's amazing how many people actually spend more on a regular basis than they make. And there does come a time of reckoning. But the problem is some people do that. Now, the next slide is this. Some, the problem also is this. Next slide. It's so often when we just simply go along and we, and we spend uh, according to a certain ra- ra- rate and we go along with it and we're doing it the same talks of our income, if we have a blip in our income, what happens? <gasps> and people freak out because there's no margin. Now, what, what we're going to talk about today is this, this next slide. Next slide. Let's look at the next slide. The next slide is this. This is the, what we want to do in our life. We want to have our income at a certain level and we don't have our spending at a certain level. And our spending needs to be below our income. Because in between, last slide, last slide, in between is breathing room. That's where our breathing room is in our life. Maybe for the visuals you just discovered. Oh, wow, that's cool. Uh, That's where our breathing room happens. And this is not just something that's great because of financial planning. God talks about it in his Word. You know, the the problem I had today was not about figuring out the scripture talk about this. The problem was figuring out which of the several hundred scriptures that talk about money. You know that Jesus talks about money more than he does almost about anything else, more than he does about heaven and hell? Because he knows it's such a big deal in our life. The stuff that we have controls us in so many ways. And so today the problem was finding a few scriptures that we could look at and talk about. You know, uh, the Bible says this, for instance, in the Old Testament, in Proverbs 21. This is what uh, Proverbs says, says. In the house of the wise are stores of choice, food, and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. Remember that, that, that line where the income and spending was exactly the same? That's what it's saying. It says if you do it that way, guess what you are? It's not me that said this. God says this. You're a foolish man or woman because it means you have no space in your life, no, no area for, for problems in your life anywhere along the way. And then and you go over to the New Testament. Uh, uh, it talks about it in multitudes of places, but one of the places is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. That means the person who learns something we're going to talk about today, this whole thing of, of that, that our lifestyle and the, the way we did it is really the problem. Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. If we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that you know, that's not the American way though, right? Um, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into foolish and harmful desires and plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money. This, you've heard this before. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So, what God is saying just in these couple of verses, and I, can, I could have spent all day here, we could spend all day here reading just the scriptures that, that talk about this. Uh, what it's saying just from those things, this is not just a financial problem. This is a spiritual issue as well. This is a spiritual. Money is a spiritual thing as well as being a financial thing that we use our, in our life. And last week, like I said, our time is limited, so we have to limit our, what we do with our time. Well, your money is limited too, even though you can't borrow. Uh, But we don't have to limit what we do with our money because you can borrow money along the way. And, And the primary reason your financial world causes you so much stress is because of what culture says. You know what culture's basic definition of happiness is? Let me give you culture's basic definition of happiness. Our culture's definition of happiness, having more than I currently have. Right? I mean, look at commercials today. How many of you are going to watch football games? Okay, go ahead and raise your hands. I'll watch football games too. Last week I said I didn't care, and I still watch the football games. (laughs) For those of you, and I know this is going to offend somebody here, so I don't care. Uh, The reality is I really did not care who won last week because none of my teams, I used to be a Washington Redskins fan. I lived three hours from Washington Washington Redskins all my life. And I was a Washington Redskins fan, and I was also a fan of whoever was playing the Dallas Cowboys. So last week, I was a Green Bay fan. So I saw, some, I saw some Dallas Cowboy jerseys here last week. I cannot believe it. I just was so offended. No, but, uh, but the reality is, is so the last week, I did care about one game, you know. So somebody asked me today to, to root for, who am I rooting for against Indianapolis and, and New England? I'm rooting for Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> Only because I don't really don't care for, my brother-in-law used to live in, the, live in Boston, Boston, and he lived in Boston all his life, and he was the most obnoxious fan I've ever seen, so I'm an anti-New uh, England fan now, too. So I'm really not a fan of anybody, I'm more of an anti-fan of people, and so the day that my, my <laughs> you're going, anyway, where are we talking about, by the way? I don't even know. Football. I got your attention, though, right? All of a sudden, you get your attention. As you watch the games today, what will it all be about? All the commercials. All the commercials, they'll have like gobs of commercials. And in, in a couple of weeks when there's a Super Bowl, I mean, it's like the, the epitome of the Super Bowl is not the game, it's the commercials, right? And I mean, more people watch for the commercials now than they do for the game. But the reality is, is what they'll talk about, they'll talk about, you need this, you need this, you need this. Because unless you have this, your life will not be good. It doesn't get any better than this. You know, you just go through all the commercials and what, the, and I'm not saying that it's their fault. It's your fault and my fault for buying into that, that you currently, the only way to have more happiness is to have more than you currently have. But the culture has said this to us, and this is the big lie that we've bought into. The culture says that that this one thing, that our standard of living and our quality of life are equal. And it's not. Standard of living does not equal quality of life. Standard of living is like every time that, you, that's why we live, live to the extent of say, thinking that, well, every time I get a raise, I'm going to spend that raise to raise my standard of living. It'll automatically raise my quality of life. But let me tell you what'll happen. If you have no margin in your life, no, no breathing room in your life, you know what's going to happen. You're going to have Stress. And you're going to have all these issues in your life every day. See, we confuse the two. Uh, Every commercial works to confuse them to saying, hey, you know, know, you'll be happier. Your your quality of life will be raised if you just raise your standard of living, which means you have more shiny things. And the problem is that you can raise your standard of living by doing what? Interculture. You can raise your standard of living by going into debt. You can. But if you go into debt, it's going to lower the quality of your life, because it'll raise your stress level to such a degree that you won't even enjoy life. So that's the way we can raise our standard of living. But you know how you raise your quality of life? It's a dirty word. It's called discipline. Discipline. It means that when we get a raise, we don't spend it. What we do is we ask ourselves, you know, do I want to have breathing room in my life, margin in my life? I mean, all of you who've been through financial peace, all of you raised your hands, you know this already, right? That's all Dave Ramsey talks about, the whole thing. Give first, save second, live on the rest. Simple formula. It's how you build margin. But it takes discipline. It takes going against the flow that culture sets. See, creating breathing room financially may lower your standard of living. Did you hear me that? Creating breathing room financially may lower your standard of living, but it will raise your quality of life. How much real joy, peace, and happiness that you have in life. Because, and this is, the, this is what happens, when, we, when there is no breathing room, and we all know this, I'm not telling you anything today that you don't know. I'm going like, this is the most obvious sermon in the history of the world. Okay, But when there is no breathing room, we become slaves to financial obligation and pressure. We become slaves to it. You know who tells us what to do when we have no margin and breathing room in our life? Bills and debt tell us what we can and cannot do. You ever been in that situation? Or you may be in that situation right now. That every month, all you think about what you can do is based upon which bills you have to pay and what you don't have to pay. Which bills and what you could do. Or Visa, MasterCard, and American Express become that which tells you become your master. You know that Visa, MasterCard, and American Express do not want to be your master? Do you know that? They really don't. They want to make it as easy for you as possible to spend money, but they don't want to be your master because when they become your master and you can't pay them back, what do they have to do as your master? They have to send you letters and give you phone calls that say you've not paid your bill. And you better pay your bill or you will be in big trouble. They become your master. But they don't want to be it that way. They just want you to spend as much as possible so that you will, you know, be free to do that as much. And they don't really want to be your masters. And so when we become, when, when there's no breathing room, we become slaves to financial obligation and pressure. And it also affects us on three different levels. It finances number one financially. We know this, when there's no breathing room. Because if you don't have any breathing room and you want to do something else new in your life, you want to have a dream for something, it's impossible to fund your dream. Much less to fund somebody else's dream. So it affects us financially when you don't have any, when you don't have any, uh, when, when there's no breathing room. Secondly, it affects you emotionally. You worry. You worry. You know, I've always been amazed. I used to think this was not true, but it is. Um, I thought the more that you make, the less that you worry about money. I found it's inversely the other way, though. You know, a person who makes $50,000 a year, they worry about stuff, and if they spend $50,000 a year and they have no breathing room, they worry. But a person who makes $200,000 a year probably worries psychologically, worries more. You know why? Because when there's no breathing room, there's a lot less $200,000 a year jobs than there is $50,000 a year jobs. And so if you lose your job, guess what? You have a lot more to worry about. Haven't I made your day? But it's true. And so the problem is, is it places all the stress on people uh, uh, more than, than I ever thought about because I thought, well, if you make more, you're going to have, you know, freedom. You know, I used to think, you know, if you made lots and lots of money that, that it just made you, you just you go out and party and you should go out, you know, and just give out money on the streets and do all kinds of crazy things like that because, you know, man, if you have, make all this money, and I've come to find out that, no, people that make lots of money have lots of stress because most of the time they don't have any margin. It has nothing to do with how much you make. And then relationally, relationally, if you don't have any uh, financial uh, breathing room in your life, relationally, money problems become relational problems. Like I said already, I mean, over the years, over the 30 years I've done ministry, and I've had people come into my office and talk to me in marital situations, I can tell you that about half the time it has to do with money stress. Believe that or not. And it had nothing to do with how much they make. It had everything to do with how they live their life, their lifestyle. See, our pushback on this is, is we think that, well, this is great, Bill. This is great, Pastor Bill. You really don't understand. I just don't have enough money. I don't make enough money to have margin in my life. Let me tell you this. The issue is not income. The issue is lifestyle. Standard of living. And if we don't, Now, listen carefully. If we don't address the quest for stuff, the stuff that culture constantly encourages us to want more of, then when you get a big raise or you get a better job or whatever, it will not solve your problem. The problem is lack of breathing room, lack of space in your life. And when you have lack of breathing room, it equates to a lack of peace, a lack of joy, and it gives you excess stress in your life. And let me address, and for today for everybody who's here, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, this is all it really applies to you. But let me say this, if you're a Christian, though, no, this is a real problem if you have no breathing room in your life. Because Jesus is supposed to be Lord of your life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, not just show up on Sunday mornings. Not just say, God, you know, I'll give you, you know, give you an hour, two hours a week. It's Jesus supposed to be Lord of your life. So it's no wonder that Jesus said exactly that. If you aren't careful, your money or lack of it will rule you. He said it in Luke 16, 13. He said it this way. It was kind of, you want to read the whole context of this, go back and read the whole first part of chapter 16 of Luke because it's this, this incredible, crazy kind of a parable. Then he talks about this guy who's a money manager, and he has this guy who's uh, he's his master, and he doesn't manage the money well, but he does some really crazy things. And we're going like, really? I mean, when you read, just read it. You know, believe me. It's kind of crazy. And, and, then, and then he talks about this whole thing of this shrewd money manager, and, and, and the master commends him for it. And they're going like, really? Did he commend him for that? Kind of like cheated the master out of some stuff. But, but, uh, but at the end, he concludes it this way. Verse 13, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he sums it this way: You cannot serve both God and money. and in the Greek word there is mammon, and that basically means stuff. Okay, this is just really, really deep translation there. It basically means stuff. You cannot serve both God and stuff. And so, if a lack of discipline, let me just say this to you in love, okay. If a lack of discipline on your part has brought you to a place where you have no financial margin, money has become your master. Money has become your master. And Jesus cannot be the Lord of your life if you have spent and borrowed your way into financial slavery. You heard me right. I believe according to Scripture that Scripture says, and that's why Jesus, you know why preachers talk about money a lot? Because Jesus talked about it a lot. Because he understood that Satan, you know, he didn't talk about Satan a lot because he understood Satan is going to try to tempt you and do stuff. But the problem is Satan is not your greatest adversary or the greatest thing that draws you away from God. He understood it was stuff. This was back before we had commercials even. See, you know, you can pray and you can you can sing songs and and feel your heart flutter and cry and have all these emotions when you come to church and maybe you did this morning in some of the songs. But if God is not the master of your life, then he's not your lord. Financially, you can't obey the teaching, you can't obey the teachings of Jesus with no breathing room. Because one of the things that we understand in Scripture, we said this, what is the greatest commandment of all? Love God, love people. And if we truly love people, there are times in our life when we are, our heart will be touched to, to help people and to give because God has made us a giver. And when we live in with no financial margin, your heart might be touched, but as a believer, you can't, you're going like, I really wish I could. Somebody used to help that person. I wish I could. I can't because I have no financial margin. Financially, you can't obey the teachings of Jesus with no breathing room. Emotionally, you can't obey because he's not. You know what we talked about last week or two weeks ago? The verse that talks about in, in Matthew 6, he says, do not worry. Do not worry. And all we do when we have financial stress in our life is worry, right? Right? So the reality is, is you can't really follow Jesus the way you want. it. You can't follow his teachings because that's all we do. I know I talk to people all the time. I've done it myself many times. And relationally, we can't follow Christ either when we are in financial bondage as well because what happens is we relationally, we can't do any of the one another's of life because when you're in financial bondage, who are you focused upon? Me. Yourself. Because relationally, the scripture talks about all these one another's. Serve one another. Love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Do all those things. And when your whole, whole focus in life is upon you, guess what? You don't do the one another's very well. And relationally, you can't follow God the way you want to. You have no time. You have no finances. You have you're, you're, your temper short. You, can't, you don't build relationships. So if you're a Christian, this is a big deal. You get it? So, what do you do? What do you do? Well, what do you do is you got to create financial breathing room in your life. And last week I talked about this. and said, you know, if you want to make God Lord, your, God Lord of your life in regard to your time, what do you got to do? You got to give God the first part of your time. So, guess what you do with your money? You put God first in your finances. And it's not just what you give to church. You put God first in all your decision-making in regard to your finances as well because it's all God's. He created it in the beginning. He lets you use it as a, as, as a steward, as a manager. So often what we do in culture, we grow up and grow up through a culture that constantly encourages this, and we just buy into the culture. You got to have, you got to have, you got to have. I remember years ago, uh, my kids now are thirty. 2 let's see (laughs) 32 and 26 okay so they're not kids anymore well they are kids they're still my kids uh but uh we we taught them early on about money and relationships we learned it from a guy named ron blue christian financial planner many many years ago and he had a little book on about how to teach your kids about money so when our kids were eight years old about seven eight years old somewhere along there we start they started managing their money really really did we gave them allowance. The allowance wasn't an allowance. The allowance was we figured out, Blue said, take whatever you think you normally spend on your kids in certain areas of life, like school lunches and, and gifts and all this stuff, and you give it to your kid at the first of the month, and you tell them, you put them in envelopes, and you tell them this is what you do. And so we did this, this whole thing. And so and you, you're giving to church, all these different things. And so what we did that, and our kids, at, by the time our kids were like 12, they were managing everything, all their clothing. Everything they spent on everything. I mean, literally, we just gave them that much money. Our, as people thought our kids were rich because they were getting like $150 a month in, in allowance. It wasn't really an allowance. This is what they spent on stuff. And it was amazing, though, because I remember very early on we taught our kids, okay, the, you know, we believe in tithing. I was taught tithing from day one to believe the first part goes to God. And so we taught them, I said, okay, if you give you $10 and you tie 10%, you give $1 to God. And I never forget my kids when they're young, eight, nine years old, doing this. They're going like, only $1? Can I give two? And I'm going like, well, let's not get radical here, child, you know. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, that you only have so much to live in the rest of your life, you know. But no, they thought it was really cool. They wanted to give more to God. Because they had this childlike faith. They weren't worried about all the other stuff that later on they become so concerned about. You know, the thing is, is is we need to have that childlike faith in a sense too. Because God says, and that's the only place in scripture, in in Malachi, or sometimes they call him the uh, Italian prophet Malachi. Um, He says... Test me in this. You know, he says it's the one place that he says to do something. Test me in this, he says. And he doesn't tell you to test me in what. He tells, test me. Give your first part to God, and then, then uh, trust me in this, and then what he says, I will multiply whatever else you have. You know, he says that. And so I've always had margin in my life. I was taught from day one. I was taught, give first to God, save, and, and, uh, and live on the rest. And I was blessed by that. I, was, I just honestly, that was a blessing. I understand that. Maybe some of you didn't grow up with that kind of mindset. So I taught my kids that too. And I'm always amazed that, that all my life, no matter what little or how much I made, and I'm a pastor, by the way, uh, <clears throat> we don't make what most people in the real world, because I don't live in the real world, by the way. You know, um, I've always had financial margin in my life. If my car breaks down, I've never worried about it. I've got money in the bank. You're going to like, it's because he makes so much. No, it's because I've always set it aside. There's this, there's this piece. Never, none of those things ever bother me. My wife and I have always, we both grew up with the same mindset and the same. And we, when we started our, the first thing, the first check we wrote when we got married was, was to the church. The second check we wrote was to go into savings. And then we lived off the rest, and we've been doing that all of our lives. So I just encourage you, I encourage you, you know, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, let me let me tell you, you are, you're smart people, so I'm going to give you five really quick things you can do to, to begin to build financial margin, uh, financial uh, breathing room in your life. Five things. These are so deep and so profound that you'll just be amazed at them when I tell you to. Number one is this. You ready? You got to choose. You got to choose to live with financial margin, you've got to be disciplined enough to say no to this and yes to margin. I don't know about you, it's your choice. Do you want stuff or do you want peace, joy, and stress free living? That's your options. You got to choose. You got to choose. You're smart. You know, I don't need to tell you you how to do that. No matter what, no matter how long, you got to say, I will create breathing room in my life. I will begin the process of saying, yes, I choose to do that. Number two, (laughs) boy, that was deep, right? Choose. Number two, set a breathing room goal. Set a breathing room goal. You know what I don't, I used to talk to young couples when they came into my office and they were getting ready to get married. I talked to them about set, setting up a budget. I still tell them about that, but I said, what's even more important now is not a setting up a budget, but choosing what percentage of your income do you want to set aside as a breathing room goal. What side part, percentage of your income do you want to set aside so that you could have some space in your life and I will not see you back in my office again because you're having problems financially, which is causing stress in every other area of your life. Really, to save saving time counseling is what's the whole deal. Not really. Set a breathing room goal. Uh, go back to that graph, okay? All of us can set, you know, the, the reality is that we can, all of us can live on a lot less than we spend. I don't care how much you make. Now, some of us have less space in our life than others, but we live if those of you who live in this area, I told you a few weeks ago, or actually last fall when we were doing another part of a series, that the median income in Germantown Hills, you know what it is? Family income, $92,000 a year. Median, that means right in the middle. And that's way above normal for this area, the region, and for the United States. So most of you have the potential to have lots of breathing room. And even if you don't make anywhere close to that, my kids who are just getting started they both have they both have breathing room with their finances first thing they do is they give to god they set aside part of what they have for savings and they live on the rest sometimes it's tougher than other times but you got to set a breathing room goal that's what that's what's important number three watch your money watch your money let me tell you, the best financial habit is documenting your expenses. If you want to know, you know how to manage stuff, you know the amazing thing so often people don't know what they spend stuff on. So for a couple of months, two to three months, just start down and write down everything you spend everything on and then ask yourself, are those priorities, is that really how I want to spend my money? Because sometimes people are amazed. When they, these are all things that Ron Blue, Larry Burkett, and Dave Ramsey have taught over the years, okay? I'm not telling anything new. Watch your money. Number four, <laughs> once you know that, once you, once you set a breathing room goal, once you choose to do this, once you watch your money, number four is cut spending. Cut spending. Develop a lifestyle reduction plan. And you can be all, I, I've heard some incredible creative ways to do that in people's lives. It's amazing how much a lot of little things will add up to a big amount. It's usually not big things you have to cut. It's usually little things like buying your lunch out every day. Or, you know, you can spend incredible amounts of money on stuff like that. You don't realize until you actually look at what you do. And then finally, develop a debt reduction or a debt retirement plan. And if you don't know how to do that, I mean, all of you have been, okay, once again, how many of you have been through the financial piece? Raise your hands. You all know how to do that. Okay? Develop, it's called the debt snowball. If you don't know how to do that, get Dave Ramsey's book, Dave Ramsey, Ramsey Revisited, and, and, and on page a chapter, read chapter 8. You only have to read one chapter. I'm not a reader. Read only chapter 8. It tells you how to de- And if you don't want to read chapter 8, just go to pages 91 and 92, which is the death snowball. And if you can't afford to do that, come by my office. You can look at my book. You can take your cell phone, which you paid several hundred dollars for, and uh, have a plan for, and you could take pictures of those two pages and then do what it says. Or you can look at all the people. Once again, everybody raise their hand. Has been to a financial piece. Okay, look around. Any of those people have a copy of the book. And you can borrow their book. I'm giving you permission, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and you can borrow their book and read that if you don't know how to do that. It's a simple thing to do. He gives you there as well. Now, You know, that's great. This this is great, right? Breathing room? Great concept. It's a nice to have for everybody. But let me tell you, it's a must have if you're a Christ follower. This is where we serve and we give and we live our life unselfishly like God wants us to in the breathing room. Besides, I mean, how many of you want money to be your master? I don't think any of us plan it that way. It just We just allow it to happen. How many of us want to serve our stuff? See, your Heavenly Father, if you'll open your eyes and you'll spend time with Him like we talked about last week, and, and, and you allow your time to be the thing that God directs as well, He'll begin to direct you probably to lead a lower standard of living but a better quality of life. You can do that. See, Jesus talked about living an abundant life. So what do we do? We go home, you decide what you want to do, choose what you want to do, pick a number, and start watching your money and create some breathing room. Because life is better with breathing room. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your incredible love for us. And we ask that you today, as we go from this place, that that this message and, these, and, and just a little bit of Scripture I've shared, and, and just some things from there as well as we talked about today, God, will help each one of us to examine our lives in this area. Gosh, oh gosh, Lord. You know, so often we hear people saying, well, you know, you're blessed because you have stuff. And God, I'm not really sure that Scripture, if, if we really looked at our theology, that if we really think that stuff is a blessing, it may be a curse. Because when, when the stuff that we have begins to, to rule over us, to become our master, and we think we have to have more and more and more, then really it's a curse. So maybe as a nation we're not blessed because we have a lot of stuff. Maybe we're cursed. But God, the, the reality is, is what you want us to do is you want us to learn to follow you, to serve you, to let you be Lord and master of not just a Sunday morning time, but a time of all of our time, God. And you want us to be Lord. You want to be Lord and master of our, of our, of our stuff as well. And you know, you want us to yeah. You want us to live a quality of life, but you don't. Want, you got, you're more concerned about the quality of life we live than the standard of life we live, which is a big, big difference. Guide us, God, in a way that would just uh, choose us to follow Your way. Thank you, God, for Your incredible love for us, Your guidance, and Your Word. And how, God, this is so important to you that you talk about it time and time and time again in Scripture. Thank you, God, that some people here already understand and are experiencing the freedom that comes in living with breathing room in their life. Thank you, God, for your incredible love. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.